the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, good to be with you. And as always, please follow me on Twitter at Eagle Ed Martin, at Eagle Ed Martin, and over on other social media platforms at Ed Martin. Visit ProAmericaReport.com. You'll see lots of this program archived there. And uh, you can sign up for the daily email. The daily email is called The Wink. W-Y-N-K, what you need to know, what you need to know. What you need to know is the Wink. Sign up there every morning, weekday morning, 8 o'clock East Coast time, 5 a.m. Pacific time, goes into your inbox. Uh, brief email that gives you some updates on things and a few ideas uh, on key issues and what you need to know. So, all right, today's segment, which is called the Wink, what you need to know, is about spending Zelensky and the broken Congress. And so let me just say, leave it to Senator Rand Paul as per usual, to make clear what's going on. So Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul, has been complaining for a few days, uh, most of this week actually, about the $1.7 trillion spending bill that is being forced through uh, and it is being negotiated, if you can call it that. It's being written behind closed doors. Nobody knows who's writing it. Literally, nobody knows. I was uh, paying attention. I, I, I didn't see him. I didn't hear him say it, but I saw him tweet about it. Jesse Kelly, the well-known um, radio host out of Texas, Houston, wrote something like, literally, nobody knows who writes these things. It's some staffer. It's some staffer probably on Senator Patrick Leahy's staff or maybe um, – in the House, uh, one of the congressmen with a committee, the uh, Ways and Means Committee or the Budget Committee, more likely. And you don't know. But what Senator Rand Paul was saying and what you need to know is nobody knows what's in it, except everybody knows that they're throwing in pork. They're throwing in earmarks. They're throwing in spending. And nobody knows how the spending will go down, what will happen to it. This is one of the secrets. When you start spending $1.7 trillion, you can't track it. When you start spending billions, you can't track it. It's almost like if you spend $10, you can see who got five and who got three and who got two. I'm thinking of my kids. You know, for Christmas, we give them some money to go get presents. And you can track who gets what, right? You can track who gets what when it's $10 or even $100. When you're spending trillions, like we did on the COVID boondoggles and Build Back Better and now in this budget, and don't be fooled, the budget is being passed, pushed through during the lame duck because the Democrats want all their spending in it. They know if they left it till January 3rd, the Republicans in the House would be the originator of the budget and they'd start again and they'd say probably say stupid spending too, but not as much stupid spending. So Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul has been raising that cry for years, of course, years about how we're spending way too much and nobody knows what is spending. And he's certainly gotten more and more credible or more and more uh, relevant. He was always relevant, but he's gotten more and more, I think, uh, attention for being there. Well, in comes Zelensky, the president of the Ukraine, and he comes in basically holding America hostage, says, you know, if you believe in America, if you believe in democracy, if you believe in the American flag, you got to give us all your money. And you have to give us uh, missile defense. You have to give us, uh, we're up to $100 billion with a B. And again, when you get past a certain amount, you can't track it. So Senator Rand Paul has been saying for months, six months, that we gave them a bunch of money at the very beginning. And there's no there's no requirement on the bill, on the spending bill, that we track what's happening. He tried that. Senator Rand Paul tried an amendment that would have said you have to have a a a, 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 a watchdog on this who can track the money. He was refused. He was refused that amendment. So there's nobody tracking the hundred billion. And consequently, we don't know any idea where it's going. And so here we are at this point in our history where we see more and more spending 
coming out of Washington. You know, it's almost off the charts because, again, back to the point, if you have $10, you can see where it goes. If you have $10 trillion, you don't know because you can't keep track. And so, you know, what what was, remember when the stimulus in 20, 2000, and I guess it was uh, 9, 2010, the stimulus was a scandal because it was about $700 billion. Well, that's just a, that's a walk in the park. And nobody knew exactly where it went. That was a, it was a scandal. And it should have been a scandal. Well, now we're talking about $1.7 trillion budget. We're talking about hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars being spent. For example, again, I go back to it. John Podesta's secret a slush fund of, of green energy money out of the White House, $370 plus billion with a B. And so when will this stop? And the answer is, I don't think it ever will at this point. I don't think there's anything I see that stops it because the group of people, 21 Republican senators, Republican senators voted for advancing this budget bill. I think it was late um, Wednesday, maybe early Thursday. I'm not sure when it was. And that means they'll vote some of some number will vote again. They're basically beating the filibuster and we won't know what's in it. We won't have time to read it. We won't see anything. And what they do is they wrap the the flag and wrap the military into this kind of spending in such a way that you get good guys. In my opinion, Senator Cotton is a pretty conservative guy. He's voting for this because he doesn't want to vote against the military. And so here we are. I mean, it's a disaster. It's a scandal. And again, what stops it? What stops it? I've been thinking about how popular Drain the Swamp was for Trump. Remember, I've talked about it before. In 2016, after he won his election in November of 2016, he did an interview late in that month around Thanksgiving where he was asked about the phrase drain the swamp, and he said it was so potent. But you know what? He wasn't able to drain the swamp. In fact, the swamp kind of won. And 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 he kind of he tried to do some of it, but he couldn't. There's got to be a way to to get the American people to understand what we're talking about. Because when it's your congressman, people say, well, I don't hate my congressman. I hate all of Congress. You know, you do the numbers. I think there's, I don't know, 42% of the uh, of the American people think that Congress is completely corrupt uh, and the rest uh, are clueless or 25% think it's doing a good job, but the rest are, are indifferent. I, I don't know. People always hate Congress, always hate incumbents, always hate the establishment, always hate Washington, but they vote for their congressman. They vote for their congresswoman. That's a problem, right? That's the problem of uh, incumbency. That's why term limits never get passed. But, but what will change this? I, and I don't know. Because at this point, the American people are experiencing inflation. Gas prices are up. Uh, things don't feel right. And here we have up in Washington more and more spending. And you can't keep up with it because it's so big. You can't keep up with it because it's so massive. The numbers are so massive. And so we're not. And that's Rand Paul's point. Nobody's keeping up with it. Nobody is keeping up with the spending. And uh, and so let me pause and say this. I, I, I was uh, driving with my uh, family and uh, my wife turned to me and said after they announced that they got a billion dollar, that the Ukrainians got a billion dollar missile defense program from America. And my wife turned and said, "What? what doesn't doesn't uh, Russia think we're at war with them? If you're funding a billion dollar defense program, if you're you know, if you're doing you know, they, pretty clearly you're you're against uh, what's happening. Right. I mean, you're against you're you're against one of the people, one of the bodies, one of the entities in that in that situation. It's got to feel like that. But I've never seen anything like that. Um, that pres the president Zelensky showing up in in uh, in the United States and and coming in and basically saying, "I need you to give me more. What you gave is a you know is a start, but I need you to give me more." And and not with his hat in his hand, 
not in a way that was, I don't know, respectful. Maybe that's a little too much. I mean, you know, I, I think he plays on being desperate. That's what he says. He's desperate. Therefore, you have to, you know, not judge him because he's just desperate. But I, I it to me, in my the way I see it, the way it feels to me, it's just presumptuous. And it and here's the thing that really makes me crazy is when they unfurl a Ukrainian flag in the well of the U.S. House with uh, Kamala Harris and Nancy Pelosi, and it's been signed by military guys, that's like what should happen with American military. We should protect American military like that, not Ukrainian military. And we're being brainwashed into thinking about what's happening as if the Ukraine is Texas or the Ukraine is Illinois. It's inc- that's a bad, that's a good one because Ukraine is a pretty corrupt country by most uh, estimations. That's not me saying it. That's the estimations of the used to be the UN and the NGOs would say that. But we're we're being told that we're supposed to feel about Ukraine like we do about Illinois. It's crazy, and it's being assigned to us by the media. It's being assigned to us by both parties. And one of the ways, one of the reasons it's happening is because the spending, massive spending, is being influenced by the parties that have an interest in it. You don't have to call it a warmongering effort to be uh, uh, uneasy with the military industrial state. And when you have a $1.7 trillion budget that's being passed and nobody knows where the money's going, nobody can see, and you have $100 billion up to now going to the Ukraine and nobody can tell where it's going, you got to admit there's a problem. You got to admit there's a problem because there is a problem. And it's getting worse. It's getting worse. Accountability is lacking. And it's getting worse. All right. um, We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We'll talk uh, in a few moments with uh, John Schlafly about his column, uh, particularly this week. It's uh, about the deep state, which overlaps with this topic. So be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to catch up with John Schlafly. John Schlafly's got a new column out this week, and the column's title is Deceitful Deep State Targets Trump. Deceitful Deep State Targets Trump. Trump. Uh, John and Andy Schlafly write a weekly column. It runs over at townhall.com and is also archived at phyllisschlafly.com. Their weekly column is there following in the tradition of their mother, the late Phyllis Schlafly, who wrote a weekly column for decades and decades, um, uh, literally thousands of columns. And uh, I forget. Oh, I saw. I know. It was good. I saw John John Schlafly's with us. I saw. I, I saw Armstrong Williams, and he writes a weekly column, and he was complaining about how a weekly column never goes away. And I remember Phyllis Schlafly saying, "It takes more effort than people realize to keep writing every week." So here we are, John. Deceitful deep state targets Trump. Tell me what you're seeing. Well, it's. Uh, I'm referring to the, uh, the 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 last gasp of the January 6th committee of Nancy Pelosi, along with what's going on in Merrick Garland's Justice Department, and um, you know the the the, uh, the forces arrayed against Donald Trump are simply astounding. And uh, now, you know, a month ago, uh, the Attorney General Garland, and boy, aren't we glad he didn't get on the Supreme Court. But in any case, he had a big fanfare of uh, hoopla uh, supposedly announcing a special counsel to provide some independent uh, review of the whole Trump issues. 
But, you know, the the general counsel wasn't there. He did not appear in person. We heard that he was in Europe recovering from a bicycle accident. You know, as far as we know, he's never shown up for work. You know, I think it's Lisa Monaco and all of the the same Justice Department lawyers who've been harassing Trump and the January 6th dependents for the last couple years. They're basically doing it. And frankly, I, I, I think that the whole special counsel thing is maybe a fake. You know, I, I really I have to give credit to Julie Kelly for uh, having that idea. But, you know, for if there are any old movie fans in the audience, you may remember the terrific uh, thriller about 50 years ago called North by Northwest, which which involved the CIA or the deep state or somebody creating a fake agent who they who they moved around to different hotel rooms to draw to distract attention from its real agent and hmm. that's what looks like it's happening with this special counsel Jack Smith uh, who's never shown up to work, as far as we know. But the Justice Department has nevertheless been working hand-in-glove with Nancy Pelosi and Liz Cheney all this time, Adam Kinziger, and and to supposedly build a legal case to keep Trump from running for president against Joe Biden in 2024. That's what this is all about. It's a totally outrageous, totally political effort. There is no validity to any of the criminal actions they are pretending to construct. It's simply an effort to uh, undermine a political opponent by the sitting president of the United States. It's just an outrage. That's how I view this, Ed. Well, we're talking with John Schlafly. John, I'm looking at your column. Uh, one thing that, you know, um, I, I, helpful when you read uh, any column, but yours in particular. Again, we're talking with John Schlafly. The column is Deceitful Deep State Targets Trump. But early in, maybe three or four paragraphs in, you back-to-back paragraphs now, I'm looking at it. Dershowitz and Turley. Turley known as a more, Jonathan Turley known as a more conservative Conservative um, uh, commentator, although I think most people would say very bright and, and serious. Dershowitz, of course, is a Hillary Clinton supporting left winger. Um, in my mind, he's kind of the last of the guys who was a left wing civil libertarian who didn't sort of cave. And so both of them are saying this is not a real thing to do. In other words, you announce the select committee announces that they're going to do something that they really can't do. And yet it's covered as if they can, which is criminal referral. You know, it's like, John, you and I could finish this conversation and we could announce that we're going to have a criminal referral. That's about the same weight as what the Congress did. But my point here is, you know, arguing from authority, it's not just John and Andy Schlafly here, Dershowitz, Turley, I think more folks. The question I have for you, John, is Notwithstanding these, these, I think, honest experts saying this isn't something that should be done, will it work? Meaning it's not done for real, or maybe it is later. It's really done for politics, right? So will it work? Well, uh, the, the, the politics question, I'll leave that to you, Ed. Now, <laughs> just for the record, I think Jonathan Turley would call himself a liberal Democrat, too. Oh, what do you? Oh, okay. Alan okay. Dershowitz is. And it's true that both men are only hear, heard these days on the Fox News channel. So, But, you know, they're very, very cautious and legalistic in their responses. And as you say, both of them have really called out the January 6th committee for engaging in improper, unconstitutional, 
and, and in two different ways. I mean, Dershowitz, you know, he's, he began by saying that uh, Congressman Jamie Raskin was his student at Harvard Law School, and then he said that Jamie Raskin's father, who was 50 years ago, was a famous radical leftist named Marcus Raskin, and that Dershowitz defended Marcus Raskin for whatever he was charged with 50 years ago. But um, so all that, with all that said, Dershowitz said that there is no basis for the House of Representatives or to, you know, prepare uh, or refer or recommend a prosecution. That's not part of its constitutional duties. I mean, they're I mean, they have no business doing that. Uh, and the whole thing is a fake. And then what uh, uh, Turley said was that the idea that Trump can be charged for inciting an insurrection for his speech uh, at the ellipse, I mean, that, too, is totally, totally unconstitutional based on, uh, you know, the Brandenburg versus Ohio, which is the standard Supreme Court decision relating to that whole subject, and no, which no one, has left or right, has ever questioned over 50 years. And uh, so the whole thing is... Uh, an, unlawful, illegal, unconstitutional exercise. They they should not be doing it. They have no business doing it. And they ought to be laughed off the stage and not taken seriously. Well, that's the and so, But that's and that's my that's where I get back to. And I loved your dodge there. I, I love this. A columnist dodge. He dodge. He dodges the question of politics as if it's somehow beneath him. Uh, you're talking about the law and the, and the Constitution. But I, I go right back to it. I mean, again, you know, within a, I just uh, actually forwarded to you while we're talking. We're talking with John Schlafly. His column, again, is over at townhall.com and archived at phyllisschlafly.com. But, you know, no less an authority than Randy Weingarten, who is the uh, the head of the largest teachers union, the American Federation of Teachers. And she she's she's tweeted out, uh, you know, a couple days ago. Uh, Today's news is tomorrow's lesson. Here's a free free guide for how to discuss the January 6th committee in your classroom. And the title of the lesson Ah. is January 6th committee recommends criminal charges against Trump for capital attack. My point, John, is forget even about politics if you want. Don't call it small P. Don't call it big P politics. Don't even call it small. In terms of brainwashing the American people, I I don't know if it's – I don't see how any reason it fails. I mean, the the, the coverage – I did an interview on the morning the select committee announced their their, uh, uh, report. And the interviewer did a lengthy discussion back and forth on the fact that, well, the Republicans can't complain. They had two Republicans on there. And if they wanted more, they could have had more, but they refused to appoint them. And of course, I said, well, that's not how it works. It's not how it worked in this case. And in this case, it wasn't a select committee of the normal type. It was Pelosi just ran it through. So but nobody covered that. Nobody's covering that. Nobody's saying it's uh, illegitimate. And so here we are again. A third of the country goes away thinking something really bad happened. A third goes away thinking something happened. And then the other third says, well, this is nonsense. I I don't know, John. I think it's more effective than people realize. Well, you mentioned Randy Weingarten. Now, there again, she is an extreme extreme radical leftist. And uh, the idea that she uh, is in charge of, you know, a a teachers union that represents, uh, you know, a million public school teachers and which pays her half a million dollars a year in salary. I mean, that's an outrage. The idea that she would have anything at all to say about the content of what is being taught in our classrooms. 
people. That is an issue that needs attention. And it's wonderful that Republicans at the national level have uh, taken up the cause of local school boards. And, uh, you know, we had a pretty good uh, result in the last year in electing school board members because, you know, they, the schools they don't bother to teach history anymore. Instead, they use the classrooms to indoctrinate, uh, uh, you know, um, current, you know, what they consider to be current events. And, you know, teaching children in school today about what the January 6th committee did a couple of days ago, that's not why we send kids to school. They should be learning about, you know, how our country was formed, and they should be learning about George Washington and, and our Constitution and our Declaration of Independence, and, you know, and they're, but they're not learning about that. And all you have to do is to watch the man on the street interviews about, you know, who cost young people and ask them uh, to name you know, right, right. important events in history or geography, and they are completely uninformed and ignorant about anything. Well, so but so, John, let me pause for one second because I I don't want to let that slide by. I mean, we could go we'll, we'll go back to the column we're talking with John Schlafly, but John, I remember uh, asking your mother, the late Phyllis Schlafly, about her longtime um, focus on the Texas school board's purchase of textbooks because at the time whoever whatever texas bought they bought so many textbooks other states you know if you're in wyoming and you buy uh, ten thousand books and texas buys 10 million you know the textbook company's not going to make a version for wyoming it doesn't matter what you want i think that would be uh um, maybe simplifying it nowadays by the way why why is there a textbook industry you should be able to get your textbook uh, you know i I don't know email to the teacher to print it out if you want a hard copy but but back to my point john is um he who controls the textbooks writes the history so now what i want to ask you john is if if in the last five and a half six years uh donald trump exposed the fake news and we now know the news is truly fake i mean they actually push fake news and to your column which is about the deep state donald trump exposed the fact that it's not a it's not a pipe dream of some left-wing aclu lawyer that the fbi's out of control they're out of control so now tell me i'm wrong why isn't it fake history why should i believe what i've been told about history when it's clear the people that were in charge randy weingarten is trying to rewrite it well, Ed, first of all, I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong, because <laughs> okay. if I do, you won't invite me back on your show. But, <laughs> there you go. But, but the, it's right to point out that Texas is one of several states, and Texas is the biggest, where there's a statewide board of elected officials who have the final say on textbooks in all public schools. So, And, and this has been a bone of contention among the progressives in Texas, and there are quite a few. <laughs> not enough, fortunately. But, I mean, they... Um, uh, and they review issues like that in textbooks. But the teachers get, I mean, the, the teachers' unions get around that, just as the Randy Weingarten has illustrated. She's not paying attention to what the textbooks say. She has her own lesson plan, which she's using to indoctrinate uh, school children in the uh, classrooms that uh, members of her union staff. And, you know, we've just got to. Uh, we, we 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 should not have uh, uh, 
We should not have teachers. Teachers should not be unionized. That's my view about that. Teachers should be responsive to the community and uh, not to the union, a national union, who uh, tells them what to teach. Uh, I mean, what is taught in schools is important to all Americans, not just parents, too. It's to the whole community should have a say in what the children of America are taught and not taught in schools. Yeah, I just think it's uh, it's it's um, uh, it's sort of breaking out into the open, if not breaking down. So, um, you know, again, how we address it. All right, John, I've got to let you go. John Schlafly, everybody. The column, of course, runs over at townhall.com uh, late Tuesdays, but also is archived at phyllisschlafly.com. This week's column is Deceitful Deep State Targets Trump. Uh, a lot more there. We only covered a bit of it. We got sidetracked there by uh, Texas School Board. So uh, thank you, John. Uh, Merry Christmas. Thanks for coming on the program. Thank you, Ed. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here in a Pro-America. I'll put a Pro-America report. I'll put up there uh, John's column as well as I will go track down that uh, uh, tweet from um, from Randy Weingard. We'll put that up there, too. We'll take a break. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. So uh, I have told my listeners, uh, sir, I'm a new guest, so I'll be nice to him. No, I'm always nice to everyone. James <laughs> Rousseau is uh, a businessman. He's uh, But what caught my attention was I got one of the folks that I trust to help me find good guests, sent me an email and said, hey, look at this uh, gentleman who uh, started a nonprofit, which is a field I work a lot in, and also has been in business. He's an entrepreneur, which is, you know, I often tell people that just because you're a nonprofit doesn't mean you're not in business and you're not an entrepreneur. In fact, you're sort of more entrepreneur than not, but also is captivated that uh, James Rousseau, our next guest, uh, started out on a small radio station. And and uh, we've talked a lot about radio, doing a radio show, but also about what's happening, what's coming, and how do you go from radio to multimedia? How do you engage communities and people? And he's been very successful. So first of all, uh, sir, welcome to the program. How are you? Oh, great. Thank you so much for having me. Well, so before I, I noticed you've got the, the core link solution is one of your businesses and all and I, lots of things to talk about. But the holy culture brand and what you're doing with folks, the conversations and music. How did you end up in the nonprofit space? What, what does that mean? The holy culture brand for you? How, you know, talk to me about that, please. You know, it's I, I coined it as progressive music and empowering conversations. Hmm. You know, we we play Christian hip hop, which for many is can be an oxymoron because they think, <laughs> well, you know, how, you know, how do those two things come together? But for me, as a kid who grew up in North Philadelphia, and I always say, you know, a place where uh, a lot of times you didn't see hope, quote unquote, and I was struggling with my own validation, and e- even though I grew up in a ch- church a lot of the words didn't necessarily make sense to me i liken it to um finding something that spoke to me and translated the language for me right Mm -hmm. and so when i heard those words that way i said okay i get it i actually get who this guy jesus is i actually get who these disciples were i actually get what the gospel message is because it came across in this language that i understood 
Mm. We're talking again with James Rousseau, and we're talking about Holy Culture. If you go to holyculture.net, you'll see this. It started out as Holy Culture Radio. It turned into social media channels, and you just heard him talking about this. Uh, um, it, it, the In this world, I did an interview earlier today on a radio station in Champaign-Urbana, uh, ESPN station, and and, and the one, at the end of the conversation, which is usually about politics and about policy, we, you know, it was Christmas time, and so some, the, the host said, you know, how do you, how do you remember, you know, faith, hope, and love, and, and what gives you hope? And we're talking about this and and mm. um one of the things i was saying was being in the space with the message of the gospel in other words not you know you can be a good person and talk about policy and good person and talk about sports but you, right. you're actually talking you're you're and that's powerful to me and i think people are hungry for that i, re- I agree you know if you look at some of what the top searches are for the year on google for example, uh-huh. one of the questions uh, each month, over 7 million searches are, what is love? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and, for, and even from Christians, 7.4 million searches a month. What is love? The second is, who is Jesus? Right. Who is God? The third, I think, is um, who am I? Right. Uh-huh. And so people are hungry for information, particularly uh, millennials and younger folks. Right. And so how do we answer those things and how do we do so without coming across as judgmental or dicta- you know, dictatorial? How do we open up the conversation? And that's what really Holy Culture is about. How do we open up the conversation? Uh, HolyCulture.net. Again, we're talking with James Russo, the founder. And uh, and there's uh, he's also an author of the book is Success on Your Own Terms. Six Promises to Fire Up Your Passion, Ignite Your Career and Create an Amazing Life. Um, uh, there's a lot a, a lot of there there um this this is not a new thing for you this is 20 years almost not 20, a new coming thing. up on come up on 20 <laughs> years of being in the space yeah. by the way let me footnote drop a footnote because i would tell you uh, uh, my listeners though i do this all the time i, I would usually stay on the phone uh, on the interview with you after but i, I got a deadline but because i want to tell you I, uh, regnery books i met with the publisher regnery books just because i met him socially and he told me just what you just said what people what they discovered was people actually want books they didn't know this that there was sort mm. of a christian uh, political niche because they didn't just want politics. They wanted to know how it fit in Christianity, to your point. But now you've been in this 20 years. H- how has it changed? And I know that's ridiculous to say. You start out in radio. Now you're doing social media channels. It's all. But I mean it in the impression. You know, my daughter's 18. She came home from college and she told me she turned off TikTok because it was a distraction. I thought, oh, thank the Lord, you know, maybe she's learning. But, but my point is that the, the, the sophistication of the medium to get to mm. people is unbelievably sophisticated. And can you, Correct. can you keep up with that? That's your goal. It's right? difficult, man. It's, it's difficult. I mean, to your point, it's changed in that uh, you have to be omni-channel and you have to respect the intricacies of each channel. And I think, you know, to your point of 20 years ago, I had desired to be in radio and I thought of radio as, you know, singular channel, right? right. <laughs> you know, right. Have some contests, take some calls and, you know, use the megaphone. And today you almost have to think of each channel, not as a megaphone, but as a telephone. And how do you have that conversation within each channel? Uh, again, we're, we're we're talking with James Rousseau about uh, HolyCulture.net. If you go to his website there, and uh, and he's on TikTok and Facebook, Holy Culture and HolyCulture.net, uh, HolyCultureNet are the ways to track it down. I think um, on Twitter at Holy Culture. Um, is the is the uh, w- w- did COVID did the pandemic create a a, a a period where people gave you a look in a different way? Did it create a period where you then said, wait, now's our chance to experiment in the media? It's probably all these things, but you know, so I, I always look for things that were positive out of the pandemic, if you can find them, and, I, and sometimes it's around these kinds of, uh, of efforts. 
Yeah, you know, it just so happened for us that we uh, were able to seal the relationship with SiriusXM during a pandemic and launch our uh, channel, 154. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, um, it, you know, certain that it happened during that time, and it was, I believe, with some of the other faith-based channels, and now we have, you know, million plus listeners, and those listeners didn't just come in from quote unquote Kirk Franklin's channel; they came from, you know, Faith in the Family and the Message, and even the Catholic Channel, right? So there was a convergence uh, of people who found us, right? And I think that's cool because, uh, you know, a lot of people spend the time in their cars and the time in their homes, but they're like, wow, this this Christian hip hop thing is there, and it's not just a lacrosse. Cray or KB, one or two artists that I think I've seen before at a festival, there's a plethora of artists who do this, and I found them on Holy Culture, and I think that's been the, the huge thing for us during this season. Uh, James Russo Sr., I should have made you put that in there, because I know that means there's a junior, and so then... There's I, a junior, I, 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 and I, now I, a third! I, exactly, so you gotta be, you gotta make sure, so, um, and again, uh, uh, I will put up on social media, holyculture.net, um, but uh, so I want to ask you about... After the pandemic, it seems to me, one thing laid bare, it is just me, but is that people need to get present to each other. It, there's a million ways to do Zoom. You and I are recording. There's a million ways to do listening. There's a million ways to engage online, social media. How how do you think, and, and first of all, do you think I'm right on that? I mean, but I, I told my, I, I went to St. Louis for some something, uh, and I, I just made a commitment. I said, every night, because my pam- family wasn't with me, every night I'm going to call up one of my friends, old friends, and I'm going to say, hey, I got a half an hour. You want to go for a walk? And and, mm. I, and I only pulled it off two out of 10 days I was there, but two out of 10 days I went for a, a walk with a buddy of mine I hadn't seen in 10 years, whatever. There's something about face-to-face, you know, that we have to get. Are you seeing that? Are you feeling that? Is that something that the community, I know when I read, read your stuff on here and look closely, you, 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 you're building a, you know, you call, some people call it a tribe, some people call it a community, so there's lots of different ways, movement, but how is that face-to-face needed? Absolutely. We, we, there, there are two things I would say. One, our tagline is connect, collab, inspire. And so I think that says a lot right there, yeah. right? We, we, yep. you know, and then the second thing is as a part of our overall nonprofit, the Quirling Solution, it's about communities. We, we say our whole mission is to revitalize communities by empowering people to reach their potential. And we have an initiative called Faith, which, which is getting folks in this community to express their faith, express their arts, talk about their vocation because people have to work <laughs> to, right. to eat and then education. And so we're trying to bring all these things together, but the central point is community absolutely uh james rousseau are you um yeah, everybody it sounds like you are because i can hear you know i can hear it but also the christian but I, you're optimistic you see you see the thing going in the right direction you see more things happening in terms of um uh, you know one of the things i like about reading your stuff and and reference and looking at your website is people uh, entrepreneurs i mean that's what made america what we are is people figure it out and go for it but I, a lot of times it feels like we're in the wrong direction and people are divided you're optimistic I am. You know, one of the posts you'll see on our Instagram page is a post around the four things you can do to support small businesses during this time. So not just on Black Friday, not just on Small Business Saturday, but through the rest of the year. And one of the things we said we would do is leverage our platform of five million listeners to support small businesses. And the the reason I said that is small businesses are the backbone of this country. They employ more than 40 percent of employees. And we forget about that when we see the Walmarts, the Walgreens, the Amazons, et cetera. Support them. Right. But the thing I also said to folks is. 
historically, the data has always said when we have a bad experience, we tell 10 to 12 people. When we have a great experience, we may tell our spouse. We may tell our spouse. <laughs> we have to turn that and swing that pendulum. Tell more people about your great experience. And that's what happens in media and all of the places, right? There's exponentially more telling of the bad and not enough telling of the good. And so to your point, I have a lot of hope. I just think we have to help turn that, uh, swing that pendulum on how we communicate. Well, it sounds like, uh, again, uh, holyculture.net and a lot of the, the, what's happening there, it gives a lot of opportunity. So thank you for the time. Thank you for uh, taking the time around Christmas. Merry Christmas to you and your team, and best luck to you. You too, Ed. Thank you. Oh, okay, we'll take a break, everybody. Very interesting. And I, I'll send a put up on social media. Uh, uh, James Rousseau, his website, uh, there's just a lot of there there. For, uh, all across the spectrum, I was showing my 18-year-old daughter, uh, Ed, and she was interested. So that's, you know, you get from the 52-year-old radio host to the 18-year-old kid. That's uh, that's something. So, okay, we'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily look at the significant issues of our time from an experienced conservative perspective. Sponsored by Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, this broadcast continues the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly and stands against forces that mock traditional values, slander America, and redefine the family. And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. Amid all the Christmas trees and gifts and holiday festivities, let's not forget that we celebrate somebody's birthday. Somebody whose birthday is always remembered, even after more than 2,000 years. So let's take a couple of moments to recall the beautiful story of his birth, as told long ago by St. Luke. And it came to pass in those days that there went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed, and all went to be taxed, every one in his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were afraid. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. May the peace of the Lord be with you and your family on this Christmas as we remember the reason for this joyful time of the year. This Christmas, please know the entire staff at Phyllis Schlafly Eagles wishes you joy-filled time with family and friends and a new appreciation for the miracle of Jesus' birth. As we head into the uncertainty of a new year, we promise to chronicle our work at phyllisschlafly.com. If you bookmark that site, phyllisschlafly.com will always be just one click away. Blessings to you and yours. And join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. 
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, let me finish up. I want to point you in the direction. I'm going to post it over on uh, the website, on the front page of the website, phyllisschlafly.com, a column that she wrote, uh, Phyllis Schlafly wrote in 1982, 1982 column, and it's excellent. It's excellent because Phyllis Schlafly, first of all, she was a great writer, but in this piece, she talks about the, uh, it's, it's written on the 24th of December, uh, in 1982. So it's exactly 40 years ago, uh, by two days. I shouldn't say that. It's 40 years ago, a couple days off. And in the piece, she, uh, writes about, um, the roots of America as a religious nation. And it's wonderfully well done. It's just fantastic. And so I'm going to post that up on social media. When you go to phyllisschlafly.com, you'll be able to see that on the front and center. And it's great. And the title of it is um, uh, Ours is a Religious Nation. Ours is a Religious Nation. I will post that up there. I will talk about it again uh, tomorrow uh, before Christmas in more detail. So check it out. Uh, it's uh, really good. All right. Let me say thank you, as always, to the great Noah Dingley, our producer, and to Ryan Hyde, associate producer. And thank you for listening. We will be back. Uh, tomorrow, one more day before the holiday, before Christmas. Uh, we'll talk to you then. It's Ed Martin on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego.